Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. Hey there, and welcome to the show. Always fun to talk Cowboys with KD after a uh, bludgeoning, and that's uh, that's what it was, and we're going to get into all that. Uh, just a quick shout-out to all our listeners to subscribe for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever works best for you. Search for the Cowboys Wire, and uh, our show should pop right up. Should be first in line. All right, KD. Uh, Cowboys completely dismantle the Falcons. 43 to 3. 43 to 3. What a score. Mm-hmm. Um, behind a 29 point barrage in that second quarter. And uh, yes, it's time to put some respect on the head coach's name, like you've been saying. I got to come around. I got to come around to it, KD. I've been, I've been the one, I, you know, a lot of people have been critical of Mike McCarthy, self included. And I'm still a little worried about all the penalties and the clock management. And I don't know. I'm, I'm still worried something like that could rear its ugly head in January. But I have to come around on this game because. After the Cowboys' biggest no-show of the year against Denver, they came out and delivered their biggest beatdown, right? Dominated in every phase. I complained about their fourth down efficiency this season, right? I was like, Katie, isn't it kind of low? Their fourth down efficiency? Three for three, right? They they were just like, come on, man. They just (laughs) came out and showed up and uh, dismantled the Falcons. And I got to give Mike McCarthy credit for this one. They bounced back in a huge way. Yeah, um, I, I'm so glad that I didn't predict that the Cowboys would have any problems in this game against Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> I went on record last week. And, uh, you were worried. No, you were I, worried. I was actually, yeah, I, I was a little bit worried, but I did make the make the point that it would be the ultimate test for my guy, Mike McCarthy. And everybody who listens knows uh, that I was the flag bearer for hiring Mike McCarthy before last season. Uh, last season was tremendous toll on everybody, including uh, the head coach. And it had everybody, including myself, doubting whether or not he was the right man for the job. But what we're seeing out of Mike McCarthy this year uh, has just been a steadfast belief in being aggressive in being confident and exuding confidence at every single moment. Uh, and then I said that how they would respond to what they put on tape against Denver would be the litmus test. It would be how we can decide whether or not Mike McCarthy is a guy for this job. And they responded with a 40-point victory, which honestly, they took their foot off the gas at halftime. They only scored seven points after halftime. Still shut them out, (laughs) but only seven points after halftime. So this could have easily have been a 60-burger. And it was hilarious because the Cowboys actually scored from the second half of week two last year, the famous watermelon kick game, to the halftime of this uh, of this past game, the Cowboys scored 60 points against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they outscored them six. I think it was 67 to three over the course of those four quarters. So for whatever reason, they just really like to dominate the Atlanta Falcons. And it was just a beautiful display of football, offense, defense, special teams. Everybody was in unison. Everybody worked. Uh, the run game wasn't you know gashing the Falcons, but they scored when they needed to. Ezekiel Elliott was once again thunderous at the uh, at the goal line and his pass blocking was elite 
Uh, Dak Prescott did what he had to do, a couple beautiful passes. Uh, the scheme from Kellen Moore, uh, the defense of Dan Quinn, the special teams of John Bones Fossil, a punt block that turned into a touchdown. Everything that went wrong in week nine against Denver, they did exactly right in Literally, week 10. And it yeah. was just an amazing, it was amazing bounce back. There was so much symmetry between the two games, how they got blown out to how they blew out the Falcons. It was just a, uh, an impressive performance all around. That's so true. Even that like bogus blocked punt that turned into a, a first down for Denver. Like how ridiculous is that rule? They got to fix that thing. Uh, yeah. Even yeah. that turns around <laughs> in this game. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, I like to think of it, Katie, like I'm, I'm a bigger person for coming on here. I'm, you know, that's just me. I'm just a big person. I'll come in and admit when I'm wrong. Give Mike McCarthy all the love in the world. I mean, what did he come up with? I saw on Twitter, anti monkey butt. Monkey powder? butt. Yeah, monkey butt. Yes. I was like, yes. what? Okay, so he is a master motivator, just like you said. <laughs> You've been telling me he's a master motivator and anti monkey butt powder. Uh, that's what spurred the Cowboys on and and got them to turn the corner here against the Falcons. Uh, got to give the man credit. Got to give the man credit for that. That was uh, tremendous. If, if Cowboys fans, if you haven't seen that, you go find that on social media. It's uh, it's all over the place. <laughs> um, all right, Dan Quinn, KD receives the game ball. Falcons gained yep. uh, 214 yards in this whole game. One for 11 on third down. Matt Ryan uh, looked like a high school quarterback. <laughs> it was his worst game of his career, I think. Uh, yep, and yep. you got to give Dan Quinn and the defense credit. But here's what like. I saw the video, and they can't even play the video of the team celebrating with Quinn in the locker room because there's so many F-bombs. Uh, and that's just right. Dan Quinn, right? We <laughs> saw that on Hard Knocks. It was made for HBO, the uh, the clips of the uh, locker room after the game. And I just feel like, yeah, schematically it's been a nice fit, but there seems to be like a personality factor with Quinn in charge, right? Like that's helped this team do a 180. Like they call him Q in their post-game interviews. He's got that different kind of energy. The players really respond to him. They they seem like they love him. And it feels like Dan Quinn's been around for years. And this is only, he's midway through his first season with the Cowboys. I think beyond schematics, it's like this personality thing. It's really working in the Cowboys' favor. It's making, making guys we probably wouldn't have predicted. Like, uh, I don't know, like, J. Ron Curse and Demonte Kazee and mm-hmm. Jordan Lewis, guys that are standing out on this defense. I mean, maybe we wouldn't have predicted that, but I think Dan Quinn and this personality factor, it's playing a huge role, don't you think? No, it's, it's definitely playing a role because uh, the contrast to what there was last year with Mike Nolan, and I'm shaking my fist right now. That's kind of my thing. I have that tag, and I shake my fist every time I say the words uh, Mike Nolan. I'm yeah. normally screaming, but I don't. I don't scream on this podcast, so I, I'll, I'll reserve that. That's good. But yeah. he was such an abject failure at the helm of the Cowboys defense. It seemed like none of the players liked him. Uh, they didn't communicate very well. He just wasn't a fit for this club. And to see the complete 180 for what Dan Quinn brings to the equation. And, you know, he had a lot of work to do after he left Atlanta. And he talks about it all the time. You know, he got fired mid-season. He, they didn't wait till the end of the year to fire Dan Quinn. They fired him mid-season. So he took the opportunity to step away from the game, reinvent himself, reinvent the defense that he wanted to run. Uh, so it's completely different than the defense that he ran in Seattle and what he wanted his coordinators to do while they were in Atlanta. Because uh, he wasn't in charge of calling the plays for the most of his tenure. But, you know, it was still his defense, quote unquote. Um, But he did a complete 180. But the one thing that has never changed is his ability to relate with his players. Uh, And this is a guy that is very genuine and that comes across to all of his players. He relates to them. He talks to them. Um, Very important when you have such an age gap between 
uh, you know, a, a coach and the players. Um, a lot of that, a lot of the stuff gets lost in translation. You know, you might be great with X to O's, but being able to relate to your guys, that's a different skill set than being good at coordinating football. And Dan Quinn has that. He has the ability to relate to his players. He quoted after the game when they were talking about, you know, looking back on Denver or looking back on the Atlanta guy. I forget which game it was in reference to, but he, he quoted Andre 3000 from one of the top five uh, songs in history, International Players Anthem, and he said, spaceships don't come equipped with rare view mirrors. <laughs> the dude quotes rappers. And, <laughs> I, awesome. you know, people might, people might think that that's a, you know, a small thing. That's huge, being able to relate to the players in the locker room and actually be one of the guys when there's such a gigantic age difference between you and some early 20-year-olds. Now, look, early 20-year-olds probably don't even know that song. But just the fact that he knows it and he's quoting rap lyrics to them, that's it, it's a beautiful thing. And I, I, I fear what happens when Dan Quinn hears people come calling because there's no doubt about it that people are going to try to hire him away uh, come this offseason. The Cowboys aren't the top defense in the league. They're probably, you know, they're up there in scoring and they're up there in DVOA. Um, but, you know, as far as yards and all of those sorts of things, they're not a top defense in the traditional categories that people look at. But Dan Quinn is definitely going to get head coaching offers based on how he's turned this Cowboys defense around. The Cowboys coordinators are off limits right now, right, Katie? No, we got a good thing going. They're off limits. I hope. Yeah, stay I away. Hope, stay away, I league. Hope. Stay away, NFL. <laughs> All right, so that gets us into our questions of the week. We're going to do that right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number 11. Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts versus the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans' weakness is its pass defense, and while we've seen somewhat of a transformation by the Eagles into a power running team all of a sudden, expect a return to the aerial game as the primary source of attack. New Orleans ranks as the third worst defense against quarterbacks in the last five weeks. More recently, in the last three games, this unit has given up 47.6% more fantasy points per game than the league average. Both of the rushing scores by quarterbacks against the Saints have come in the most recent two contests, and it never hurts to have Jalen's legs as a bonus. Tennessee Titans running back Deontay Foreman against the Houston Texans. Houston is one of three teams that has allowed more than 1,000 rushing yards so far, and they've done so in only nine games played. Also, this unit has given up the second most rushing yards in that time on a per-game basis. Six touchdowns have been scored in the last four games against this group, and one in every 20.6 rushing attempts has found the end zone for the sixth highest rate. While Foreman will share some touches in the backfield, he has potential for a touchdown and should be good for close to 70 total yards. Not too bad for a flex spot. An even better play should come from wide receiver T. Higgins, Cincinnati Bengals at Las Vegas Raiders. Higgins has scored 13 PPR points and change in each of the last three games, but he remains scoreless in five appearances since week two. The Raiders have been mired by injuries and personnel woes of late, going from being one of the stronger defenses of the position on the year to giving up six of seven total touchdowns to wide receivers in the last four games alone. Coming out of the bye, Higgins is due for a touchdown. New Orleans Saints tight end Adam Troutman at the Philadelphia Eagles. Eight different tight ends have scored 10 plus PPR points points on the year versus Philadelphia, and all but one happened in the last five weeks. Five of those eight touchdowns have come in the last six games, and this is among the best possible matchups for the week. In the last three games, Troutman has been targeted at least five times in each contest, and he's finally starting to show the signs of life that made him an early offseason sleeper prior to being derailed by an injury. He's a flyer for a touchdown and could be a hot DFS play. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. 
That was your Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Win your fantasy football league with the Huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Katie, I got three questions for you. I'm going to call it the questions of the week. We can try this out this week, see if this okay. works out, all right? Uh, first one. Let's do it. Dallas, first of all, Dallas needs to cut back on their penalties, clearly, right? And, uh, you know, they had eight again, eight penalties in this ballgame. We didn't know it because I won by 40. Uh, but, you know, penalties continue to be a thing with this team. And Connor Williams leads the entire league in flags. With Lyle Collins back and Tyron Smith looking like he'll be okay going forward, maybe even this week. You got plenty of depth. You got plenty of flexibility on the O line. So, like, how would you fix the Connor Williams problem? Right? Are you showing him the bench? I am not benching Connor Williams because I trust in Joe Philbin, and Joe Philbin is telling me that Connor Williams, even with all of the penalties, is a much better option than Connor McGovern right now. If you would ask me last year, and this was happening, I would have doubted the coaching staff. But right now, as I, I, I believe I said on the show last week. Until they screw it up, there's no reason to doubt any of these moves that the coaching staff is making. And the coaching staff doesn't believe that they need to replace Connor Williams. Uh, First of all, it has to do with the caveat that you say the Cowboys get called for penalties that they don't commit more than any other team in the NFL. It is ridiculous. It happened again with Connor Williams with a hold. It happened with Connor Williams with a chop block. Neither of those penalties should have been called. But for whatever reason, he is on the radar of the referees as the guy that they are going to call these penalties on. He now has been called for 13 penalties in nine games. Uh, Three of them have been declined, so 10 accepted. He has cost the Cowboys 146 yards in offense based on the penalty yardage and nullified plays on on, on, uh, situations where he was called for a penalty. Five different drives have been stalled, as in he gets called for a penalty, the Cowboys don't convert for a first down. Just drive-killing penalties. So, yeah, it is a huge problem. But right now, there's no other solution. And the thing is, outside of the penalties, Connor Williams is still pretty good at his job. He faces some of the best defensive tackles in the league. So, yes, he does get beat more often than the other players on the offensive line because the other guys that, you know, the other guard is Zach Martin. He's only the best offensive lineman in the NFL. So, of course, compared to him, he looks horrible. But compared to the rest of the league, Connor Williams is actually a pretty good uh, offensive guard outside of the penalties. And if you say – half of the penalties, 40% of them are kind of ticky-tack that they shouldn't be called, then that puts it in a little bit different frame of reference where, yes, it's a worry, and when everything is going right on a 7-2 team, you look for things that are not going right to kind of hone in on, but honestly, it's just not a big enough deal for them to go to another solution. The scuttlebutt is that Connor McGovern, who was drafted, doesn't have the in-play 
the same level of in-play intelligence that Connor Williams does. So when it comes to diagnosing what the defense is doing, knowing when to switch off of a man, when to you know leave a double team and go to the second level and those sorts of things, Connor McGovern is reportedly, again, just scuttlebutt, nobody's put their name to this, but it's a rumor that's floating around that Connor McGovern is not as adept at making those decisions as Connor Williams, which is the reason why Connor Williams continues to have that starting job. And if that's the case, and you're talking about being able to protect Dak Prescott, give me the penalties all day long. I, I would much rather have a healthy Dak Prescott behind a guy that gets a penalty a week than behind a guy that's going to let somebody through. And, you know, you have to pray that Ezekiel Elliott is always on his A game when it comes to picking up the, the, the loose guy. I would much rather have a guy that's more secure in protecting Dak Prescott. And that's what the Cowboys are doing right now. That's why I had to ask the question because I just had a feeling that fans might be seeing all these flags, seeing that Williams is the highest flag guy in the league and they're throwing their hands up and be like, Let's get McGovern. Let's or let's move some. Let's like jumble the line around. Let's fix this and get this guy out of the lineup. But I had I had a feeling it ain't broke. Don't fix it yet, right? You're seven and two, right, right where you need to be. Yeah, the, so that's why I had to ask you. The, the thing, the the thing that the fans want to see most is if it's not going to be Connor McGovern, they would love to see Lyle Collins go back to his job at left guard, which exactly. he had for the first two years in the league. Leave Terrence Steele on the right side once Teron Smith comes back. And I mean, that still could happen. I just, I don't believe that the Cowboys are interested in doing that based on everything that we've seen so far over the last year and a half. All right, question number two, KD. What Cowboys player at the mid, so we're at the midpoint of the year, right? So what Cowboys player has been your number one star of the season's first half? And you can, you can go any it's player hard. here, any player, offense, quarterbacks, yeah, it's, he's it's, allowed it's, to be the guy. So you can pick any player. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm about to say. It's hard not to say Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott's about to be the MVP of the league. I, I think it was um, Bobby Belt, uh, who's a producer on the NFL Network, big Cowboys fan. I think he had the stat earlier that there's only been four players who have passed for 2,000 yards, had 20 touchdowns and a completion percentage over 70% through their team's first nine games, and the other three players have all been MVP. So it's rarefied air of what Dak Prescott's doing right now. And the way that the schedule is set up with the defense that he's going to be facing, those stats are only going to improve. I mean, he had 296 yards three total touchdowns in three quarters against the Falcons. He sat the entire fourth quarter. So you're looking at like a 400-yard day in any other capacity if they weren't blowing them out as badly as they were. With this matchup coming up against uh, against Kansas City, since 2018 when Patrick Mahomes took over as a starter, he has nine 400-yard games against Patrick Mahomes' six. And Patrick Mahomes is by far the best quarterback that we've seen in this, gener- in this current iteration of new quarterbacks. I mean, you know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, those are, you know, last generations that are still carrying over greatness. But out of this new generation of quarterbacks that have been drafted in the last decade or so, Patrick Mahomes is the gold standard. And in this way, Dak Prescott is outperforming him. He has these big games. He has excelled to an extreme level coming back from the injury, everything that he was facing in the offseason, everything that he's faced in season. Um, it's just an amazing amount of talent that that guy exudes. I don't think there's any question he's the best player this year. I mean, you kind of take that with a grain of salt. Zach Martin is the best. It, to me, Zach Martin is the best player in the NFL, position for position. But position value of quarterback over offensive guard, you're going to give it to Dak Prescott. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun question because you got Dak, you got Zach Martin, and then Trayvon Diggs is having an unbelievable year with eight interceptions. So yeah, you know yeah. Trayvon's probably on the short list too. But yeah, I think Dak too. Dak's probably the MVP right now. He probably is. Even if the midseason MVP, I think I would still give it to Dak. I know it's close. I'd give it to him over Josh Allen and Tom Brady right now. I just yeah, jo- Josh Allen has had more stinkers. Yeah, so that, that's what it comes down to. He's he's had more bad games than Dak has had. The good games are right on par with each other, but he's had more bad games, so that's why I'll, I'll give it to Dak over the other guys. 
All right, flip side. Give me your Cowboys player who was the who has been the biggest disappointment through the first half. Oh man, that's a loaded question. It's man. Lo- it's um, loaded, and the team's been really good. So you have to kind of you have to think about this one a little bit. I'm disappointed that we haven't had a chance to see Kelvin Joseph, but that's injury related. The second round pick, the cornerback. Um, I thought that he would have the job over Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown has completely proved me wrong. Uh, he's just been a phenomenal guy so far this year, uh, playing opposite of Trevon Diggs. Um, that's a really tough question. Of uh, Greg Zerline's missed far too many kicks. I know he's on COVID right now. Uh, so, you know, I'm a little bit upset about Greg Zerline. And we're talking about the kicker. That, like, that, that's how good the Cowboys season has there been. I'm, I'm considering yeah. the kicker as being the most disappointing and, guy. And I don't prep um, you on like, these questions here. I didn't prep you on these. So this is just on the spot. I got to get your, like, honest opinion right on the spot, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would probably say if, if it had to be a position player uh, that I've been disappointed in, it, I, I guess it would have to be Connor Williams. Tyler Biotish, the center, he's he's improved over the last couple of games, but he hasn't been anything special uh, compared to where I thought he was. I thought that he was going to surprise everybody and be a Pro Bowl player. He was one of my predictions early in the year. So from that distinction, I'm a little bit disappointed in him. Um, but overall, everybody in the Cowboys is just really doing a good job right now. It is hard to pick anybody that's not doing great. So you know, I'd say Greg Zerline, and if it had to be a position player, I'd put it on Connor Williams. Yeah, I, I cheated on this question because I do. I put down a name just to see what you're going to say, and then I can kind of say what my opinion is. So I, I cheated. Jalen Smith. Oh, man, to see a guy just kind of – Oh, he doesn't count. He doesn't count. He doesn't count. He's che- not on the team anymore. Oh, I told you I cheated. <laughs> uh, to, see a guy, to see a guy just physically and mentally kind of lose his edge on the field, though, Katie, was was really rough to watch. And then how quickly it ended in Green Bay was – was rough for that player and for a player who yeah. was once a, a key piece of your team. So, 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 do me a favor. Ask me the question again. How you phrased it? Because I want to make sure that Jalen, I want to make sure that Jalen Smith qualifies for how I interpret your question. So, how did you phrase the question to me again? Now, once again, I, you're gonna have to listen back to that. Now, I told you I cheated. I came right on. <laughs> so, I said, give me your Cowboys player who was the biggest disappointment in the first half of the season. Okay, so disappointment. There was no way that I could be disappointed with Jalen Smith because I had such a low opinion of Jalen Smith entering the season. That's why he doesn't even click for me in that question. Sure. I can't be disappointed in Jalen Smith because he's never he, – I just didn't rank him very highly. I didn't expect anything out of him. So that's why I get out of that question. But for your purposes, yes, that is the perfect answer. <laughs> well, come on, man. i got to throw you curveballs. You're too good. You're too – got to throw you curves. <laughs> uh, you know, another one on my list, Lyle Collins. Got to be available, man. You're, what are you doing? you got to yeah. be available for your team. Where have yeah. you been? He's a disappointment too. So he was on my list as well. Uh, but anyway, okay, enough of this. Let's get into Cowboys-Chiefs. It's a huge game. This is fun. And, uh, you know, Cowboys going over to Kansas City. The Chiefs, are they back? They just smoked the Raiders. Are they back? We'll get Katie's take on that coming up right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Los Angeles Chargers. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Chargers laying five and a half. Money lines plus 200 for the Steelers, minus 250 for the LA Chargers. And the total is sitting at 46 and a half. I'm taking the underdog Steelers at plus five and a half. Um, the Steelers have a huge edge in the coaching matchup between Mike Tomlin and Brandon Staley. They're much better on third down and red z- and in the red zone. The Chargers have a negative differential in third down and red zone conversion rate. Also, if you blindly fade the more popular side, which is the Chargers, you win 63% of your primetime games this season. Nate, how are you looking at this game? 
I'm going with the under 46.5. The Chargers by far have the worst rush defense in the league. Pittsburgh is 25th in opponent's rushing yards per game. It's going to be a lot of running, a lot of killing the clock, especially if we don't know Big Ben's status. I'm going with the under. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Katie, I just said it right before that break, but uh, should we be convinced that the Chiefs are back after they smoked the, the Raiders in Vegas last week? And, you know, Patrick Mahomes was back to being Patrick Mahomes, throws for over 400 yards. He's throwing to, like, Noah Gray, Byron Pringle for touchdowns. You know what I mean? He's doing, he's doing that thing where he starts toying with you late in games. He just kind of smoked the Raiders team that had played the Chiefs tough over the last couple of years. But they've had plenty of problems, right, in the weeks preceding that game against the Raiders. So... You think the Chiefs are back because it seems like the betting world always bets the Chiefs like they're the Chiefs, right? Like they have everything going and they're the same team that makes it to the Super yep. Bowl every year. They're favored by two and a half over the Cowboys at home in this game on Tipico. So should we be convinced that the Chiefs are back in this matchup? Yeah, I would assume. I, I, I know that I had heard uh, several years ago that not every team gets a full three-point home advantage, home field advantage when it came to the betting lines, I would assume that of all places, Arrowhead is definitely one of the places where a team would get a three-point advantage for being at home. So technically they're saying that they think that the Cowboys are a better team yep. by a little bit based on the Chiefs. Uh, everything that we've seen, the Cowboys are a much better team than the Chiefs because the Chiefs have absolutely no defense. The question that you ask is, are the Chiefs back? I hope the Chiefs believe that they're back, but I'm not so sure. When you look at everything that's happened to the Chiefs in the last month, they lost to Tennessee horribly, 27-3. to They barely beat a really bad New York Giants team, 20-17. to They barely beat a Aaron Rodgers-less Green Bay Packers team, 13-7. to And then they had this performance on this past Sunday where Patrick Mahomes has five touchdowns. They beat the Raiders 41-14. to But let's look at the Raiders. And everything that they've been through in the last couple of weeks between, Seriously. Um, you know, John Gruden a month ago, between Henry Ruggs' arrest and everything that's happened with that, between the Damon Arnett stuff that just recently happened, the Raiders, to me, I mean, they were just ripe for one of those games where they were not going to be able to stand up for themselves. Um, So I don't know if we can quite say that the Chiefs are back, but it's going to be a great test for the Cowboys because of that environment, the way that every single team in the league, I don't care if you're defending Super Bowl champions, I don't care if you have a reigning MVP or any of that stuff on your team. Teams gear up to play the Cowboys because they know all eyes are going to be on them no matter what. And Kansas City is one of those teams that, you know, even though as popular as they are, they still don't have 
the street cred as far as, you know, everybody's just flocks to watch their games the same way that the Cowboys do. Uh, so they know that this is going to be extra special the way that the game is going to be broadcast on Fox, um, and they're going to be geared up. But I still think that based on matchups, uh, the way that the Chiefs have a weakness against the run, the way that Kellen Moore has taken the mantle of most creative play caller uh, away from Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, uh, you know, a couple years ago, 2018-2019, the Chiefs were the must-see game of the week to see what kind of new wrinkles they were going to add yes, in their play yes, calling yes. and all of that sort of thing. That's now Kellen Moore and the Cowboys. They have offensive linemen flanked outside of the numbers on passing plays and running screens on four wide to the left side. It's just the things that this dude comes up with. He has two offensive linemen as fullbacks in the backfield. Yeah, what was that one called, the like the he tank does. formation or something? What was that one? Uh, I, I, I forgot yeah, exactly what they called it. Um, it was hilarious, though, whatever but, it was. But it, whatever it is, he, I know what he's going to have in store, and I'm going to make a small prediction. Kellen Moore is such an, a maniacal, evil genius. I have a feeling that the Cowboys are going to target their tight ends in this game plan more than anybody else just so they just so that they can say look we outshine travis kelsey like that's the kind of guy that kellen moore is he's going to go to something that is going to make you say whatever the other team does best we're better than them at that too so that's really what i'm looking for i'm looking for dalton schultz i'm even looking for the uh for, for Sean McEwen, the third tight end, uh, now he's second tight end since Blake Darwin is injured. I'm looking for him to have a big game. Somewhere along the line, the tight ends are going to have a prolific play or two in this game, and I'm just going to sit back and smile because I don't put anything past Kellen Moore anymore. Oh, man, now i got to rethink my fantasy lineup because I have Dalton Schultz, but I was going to bench him for Zach Ertz this week, Katie, because I wasn't sure if Michael Gallup was going to eat into some of those targets, but now i got to rethink my whole strategy with Dalton Schultz, and maybe i got to put him back in. I, look, I, I, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying don't be surprised oh, if that's God. what happens. Okay, okay, I feel you. <laughs> uh, one, one thing that's really uh, interesting me here is we talked about the Cowboys' defense. The one thing that, and, and you've said this many times, week after week, that, yeah, the Cowboys are, they've done a 180, they're great on defense now, and, and their defense is the reason we could win a championship, but they're still giving up some big plays, they're still giving up yards. And the thing with the Chiefs is teams are having success against them when they're patient on defense, right? And they're going in those deep shells and they're making Mahomes throw it short and work like those 10-plus play drives when he wants to do the opposite, right? He wants to burn you deep. He wants to do the big play to Tyreek Hill and run down the field, slam in his chest like, ah, you know, like that's the Chiefs, right? They don't want to dink and dunk it down the field. And that's right. my question. Will the Cowboys be disciplined enough to not give up huge plays, uh, make the Chiefs work it down the field because – you know, big plays have been a problem for the defense, right? They have given up big plays here yep. and there. So I think yep. that's a key. Will they be disciplined and patient enough to do that thing that the Giants did and, and uh, the Packers did to success and putting safeties back there and just making the Chiefs work their way up the field at like four or five yards a pop, which is like crazy to see. But that's the Chiefs have been doing that a lot this year. So can the Cowboys do that? To yeah, them? that's the thing. Every team's been able to do that to the Chiefs. It, it isn't just the Green Bay's, you know, and Green Bay has a very – very strong defense right now. Yeah, uh, but it, it isn't just for those teams. It, it, yeah, and, and we saw what the what the Raiders did. The Raiders had absolutely no defensive game plan whatsoever. Well, for they the have, and and they have no safeties. Mind, right. It, it, it was mind boggling to watch them 
you know, the, the way that they play that game it was almost as mind boggling as watching the Rams not adjust to what San Francisco was doing uh, on, on the, um, was it the Monday night game or the Sunday night game? Monday, one of the two yeah, games. Monday, yep. one of the two night, Monday night game. Yeah, it, it all runs together for me now. But these lack of adjustments are really troubling when, you, when you're looking at these teams and just thinking that they're going to go in there and just willpower their way to a victory. The Cowboys aren't that team. They are willing to adjust. But I don't know if they have the horses to keep up with the speed that Kansas City employs in their offense. I think Kansas City is still going to get theirs. Um, uh, yeah, I hesitate to say that the Cowboys have solved their defense. Um, you know, you have to take into it the caveat they were playing the Atlanta Falcons who Dan Quinn coached for the last six years. So obviously they knew exactly what Matt Ryan likes to do, and they were able to take that away. So I don't think that the Cowboys are in a position to duplicate their performance of week 10 against an offense like the Kansas City Chiefs. But what I do know is that the Cowboys can turn another team over. They have the hard hitters that can draw a ball loose, and they have the secondary that's opportunistic enough that if Patrick Mahomes is inaccurate in any way, like we've seen at a lot of points so far this season, they will be able to come up with those turnovers. So I think Kansas City will get theirs, but I think also Dallas will be able to turn them over enough to keep them from scoring 33, 35 points. And I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs defense can stop the Cowboys from doing the same. So I I I do kind of predict a shootout type of thing, but in the situation where the Cowboys defense turns over Kansas City once or twice, and that's going to be enough to get away with a road victory. All right, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, and the Chiefs have not played all that well at home. You might have mentioned this, but when you were rattling off those those recent games for the Chiefs, I mean, the Giants game was at home when they won by three points, yeah. and, and the Packers game without Aaron Rodgers was at home. So uh, they yeah. they played in Vegas when they crushed the Raiders. That wasn't at home. For some reason, they haven't been good in their home stadium. So I have to like the Cowboys. Yeah, because they, they got blown out by the Bills at home, too. True. The Bills True had about 18 to 100%. So, yeah. I mean, that was over from the first quarter. So uh, Cowboys getting two and a half points in this game. I mean, I like that number if I'm approaching this from a betting perspective. I like the Cowboys plus two and a half. I like the money line plus 115. Like, I think, you know, I think if I'm betting the game, I'm betting the Cowboys, uh, and you know the total is high. You're, you're kind of we're talking like you might think this might be a, uh, a shootout, KD. The the total is fifty six and a half, which is on the higher side for for a, a total. Uh, but what do you think about that? Are you taking the Cowboys in this one? And what do you think about that total? Would you bet the over? When we talked early in the season after the first couple games, I said that unless they're playing a team that has an absolutely putrid offense, any over under less than sixty take the over. Yep. And I definitely say take the over in this game. I think I think they combined for over 60 points. I do think the Cowboys are going to win this game, and I do think they're going to win by, uh, well, they're, they're, the Chiefs are favored, so it doesn't matter. So yeah, I take the points, and I take the money line, and I take the over. I mean, go ahead, bang it. Two units. Okay, so let, let me just get this straight, though. So the, the Cowboys just played the Falcons in their home building, right? That was in Dallas. Don't bring up old stuff. You were, you were worried about the Falcons at home. I know where you're going. <laughs> and you're just so confident going to Arrowhead and playing the Chiefs. I just I love it. I love it, KD. It's so good. You can never predict where you're, when you're going to be nervous. You're, you're more confident in the tougher games. That's what I'm learning about you. Well, yeah, I also don't bet very often anymore, so I can do that. <laughs> good. That's good. That's <laughs> not good. my money. <laughs> Believe me, I would, I would put my picks on Twitter if I was – winning more than 50% of them, but I'm not. It's not even <laughs> close. Uh, but it's all fun. So, yeah, Cowboys, Chiefs, I'm really looking forward to this one. This one's going to be great. Uh, love the insight, as always, from KD. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. We will catch you next time. 
USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.